0: Dear Edith, you foxy ass, old
1: whore. Carry on.
0: You really are a tricksy old fucker. And you're a sad, stinky bitch.
2: In the end, I think it's just jealousy.
1: I think we know who it is. (laughs)
2: Love thy neighbor and I tried, but... I'll get you in the box, (laughs) Zach! She's heinous. Edith, I didn't do it.
0: I believe you may be charging an innocent,
2: a woman police officer. Oh look, a flying pig. Uh, no. <laughs> I've got a daughter at home.
0: Why would I risk it all? You want fucking in the nose holes, you old beetle. Beetle. Right. <laughs> if ye meddle in my case, these will be on your wrists.
2: In prison, Rose may find some kindred spirits. In prison. No, no, not the murderers or the rapists. I'm thinking more the drunks and the queers, maybe just trying to find a bright side. Oi! You daft old fucking
1: slippery old fucking dodger.
0: Why would I send a letter when I can just say it? I'd probably say that you look like fucking Queen
2: Victoria shoved a fucking nettle up on fucking pussy. I don't know. You stink of cum and shit in the you make look like this born out some fucking shit fucking asshole. Better. <laughs> there...
0: I have a plan. Vegetation. We'll catch them in the act. <laughs> me... What would your husband think? My husband
2: is
1: in a live race, so he's not thinking a great deal. I like you, Rose. I
0: hate her!
2: Uh-huh. You don't like the idea of me leaving this house, do you? I'm going to lose her. We're not standing for oh. it. I've had one now.
1: Everyone... No,
2: It's German.
0: Hello, Guilty Feminists. This is another of our Culture Club episodes, this time looking at the hilarious new British film, Wicked Little Letters, which I found throbbingly feminist. It is based on an incredible (laughs) true story. And I think... That incredible true story is about how women in history had to find valves, like little steam kettle valves, to just get out all the angsty humanity inside of them while they had all the impositions of femininity to either uh, live up to or or eschew, both of which are exhausting. Uh, Olivia Colman, national treasure, stars as Edith Swan, upstanding member of the town of Littlehampton in 1920. Some listeners will know 1920s is, like, literally my favourite era. But someone is sending her obscenity-filled poison pen letters. She suspects her neighbour, Rose Gooding, played brilliantly by Jessie Buckley, another extraordinary talent. And it's up to woman police officer, quote-unquote, Gladys Moss, played by Angina Vasson to try and solve the mystery. I couldn't be more delighted. I've tried to be more delighted and I've discovered there, there, there's... Oh, hold on. No, there's a bit more delight. I've just found it. To be joined by the film's director, Thea Sharrock, and its a great big shiny star, Olivia Coleman. Thank you so much for coming on The Guilty Feminist. <laughs> Yay. Yay! We're used to a live audience, so we tend to... We always do this for a live audience, so when we don't, we always clap ourselves. Um... I mean, it's unbelievable how arrogant we clap ourselves. So I love, 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 love to this movie. And I cannot think of a movie that more encapsulates both guilt and feminism. It's like literal guilt. It's like guilty, as in guilt, found guilty in a court of law. And also there are so many different sides of so many different women in all their flawedness, in all their glory, in all their humanity to this, that I think it's a terribly feminist film. And I was astounded when I looked it up how much of it was true. The top of the film, it says, you won't believe how much of this is true. Well, I didn't. couldn't believe it, but you know, I read it. I see so it's true. <laughs> Thea, how did you get involved in the project? I mean, you're a very big name, shiny British director. Um, what drew you to this? Well, if I tell
1: you that Olivia Coleman was already playing Edith one, it was a but, uh, it was just a, it was a humdinger. I was there. I was uh, it
0: was a yes from me. You were like if Olivia's in, I'm in. Um,
1: I absolutely was. And in fact, I couldn't. I wasn't really free. Oh really? I don't know if Collie even knows that. Yeah, I wasn't really free because I was finishing up a different movie. And long story short, I've got the best producer in the world who was just said, "I'm going to make magic <sighs> happen," and he helped me to press pause on finishing that one and then we were like let's go and we jumped in and it was it was just too special I just knew when I knew that Collie was on it and then realized as you say not only was it based on a true story but how much Mm -hmm. of it is true Mm -hmm. I just thought these characters no wonder they're so brilliantly complex I couldn't wait to dive in deeper so, yeah, I just think it's about so many different things. It's got an amazing actor already in there. We both wanted Jessie Buckley so badly to play um, Rose, and we were lucky we got Jessie really quickly and again moved mountains to make her dates and everything work. And once that little triangle was there, it was like this is just going to be incredibly special.
0: And it really it really is. Every time you get you make a period film or you write a period story, you're really talking about now. You're, sh- you're able to shine a light on right now in a way that you can't when you talk about right now because it's sometimes too literal. What do you think this film is telling us about right now? These sweary letters, these war- slightly warring neighbours who respect each other and like each other, but there's this turmoil and this war going on between them um, and a literal court case, um, accusations flying left and right. What do you think it has got to say about women now, feminism now, the way we talk to each other now? The way you phrase that is absolutely brilliant in the simplicity
1: of saying, isn't it interesting how when you do anything based right now, you you are so encumbered within that world. Actually, it's quite straitjacketing in a funny way. And there's a freedom that comes with something if you can apply the same thinking i.e., for me what i didn't want is for it to be so absolutely factually correct and exactly of the period um so that it became smaller Mm. i wanted to try to make it as accessible as possible because sometimes you know the minute you say period some people just go oh kill me i don't want to see it it's gonna be really boring and i knew that this wasn't it's got it's got very unique Combination of ingredients, and so one of the very important tightropes that we walked was exactly that: is how do we keep the period with the modernity? Mm.
0: I thought it had yeah. shades of the favourite to it, in as much as it reminds us people were not standing around in long dresses being ladies and gentlemen all the time. You know, people were not in the past yeah. being better than we are or more didn't have, always have more decorum than we did. And it had shades of the favourite in it. It's sort of how trolling is kind of nothing new. Anonymously going after someone on the internet is seen as a real modern malaise. But there's a real modernity to that, that somebody was in real life, and I'm sure this is certainly not a one-off thing. In fact, we have a turn of phrase for it, poison pen letters. It was sitting down, and instead of just dashing it off on Twitter, was sitting down with pen and ink. We won't say who it was because we don't spoil the story, but was writing all these really offensive, uh, sweary yeah. things. Well,
2: I don't know about the I didn't... Think of that when we were making it. It was sort of afterwards we went, "Oh, hang on!" It's, of course, it's trolling. We were going, "This is brilliant!" Or this swearing. Eighty-five percent of the swears in the film are from the real letters. We haven't, wow. uh, m- you know, made it more sensational. Um, so these nineteen twenties women were did know these words and were writing them. And you know, as you say, that that idea of a kettle and the steam coming out is perfect that sort of impress a woman, it will come out. Well, any human, you know. Uh, yes, but I was unaware of the the sort of timing of it until we were sort of underway, I think. Well, Thea obviously would have thought more about that because she's always thinks more than I do.
0: Just,
1: what do you think, I'm Thea? i sure you
0: both think brilliantly. <laughs> she's gone off ways. in a half. I think that's absolute. <laughs> <laughs> i off in a half. Yeah,
1: that's very me, isn't it? Yes, yeah, well, I, I, was, I was saying that, one of the things that I wanted to make sure we kept hold of was the balance between the then and the now and by default, mm. therefore. So whether that was in the costumes and in the the whole design of the whole thing or um, the colours that we used, I wanted to try and keep both worlds alive so it didn't feel like boring period. It felt like exciting period that in a way always had a foot in, in the modern world. And it was also about being respectful to the fact that the most important parts of this story, where the story began, which is the letters, is real. They're real. That whole part of the story is completely, comes from a true combination of people. Um, so 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 I wanted to make sure that we always kept that in mind. But as Collie says, you know, you sort of, It felt very modern doing it. It didn't feel old-fashioned in any way. The language that we used, uh, the language that the characters used, felt very free, to be honest, largely speaking. Although Mm. I do think that there is something important in, there's a voice in there that is, for me, very fundamentally trying to find itself. So there is something quite innocent and Mm. sort of immature, although at the same time, you know, really rude and vile in the way that people are. I mean, this is one of the trolling, whether it's then or now, it's not a new thing at all. It's just humanity. It's just a big side of every human being that can get really upset or get or want to lash out mm. and you take it out on other people. All of that is not, that's yeah. not new in any way, shape or form. No. I mean, anyone who's been a mum knows what that feeling is. When a kid loses their rag, often as the mum you're the first port of call and we've all seen it happen yeah. and you also know when they really mean it and you also know when they really don't mean it but there's just a <laughs> rah that needs to come out and in one sense this is just another version of that it's a completely normal way yeah. to behave how you do it is the important thing mm. I think and the delivery of it
2: and I also find um, it fascinating with the fact that we, now, we know trolling is nothing new it was happening as you say the phrase does exist poison pen letters but if this was a hundred years ago, you'd have hoped we'd have worked it out, not got worse at it. Because trolling is now on a, you know, worldwide scale where you can be vile about someone you've never met and you don't know, and and, uh, and anonymously, it's it's awful. But and I, I do find it amazing that we've got worse.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah yeah no it would be nice to think that we'd improved slightly but now it seems to be a very common hobby for most people <laughs> to at some point or other just write something horrible and just sort of leave yeah. it leave it out there on the internet and again when you know the letters were being written in 1920 one person's delivering them to the other and that person has to choose to show people whereas now it's all out there publicly and anyone can look at it so it is it yeah. is different but i think what's illuminating on how the world works now is seeing two sides of people, that there's a public face and a private face. And that has never been more true because we've got this sort of second self online. Your character, Olivia, is Mm. so repressed and buttoned up and, and so heavily carrying the weight of respectability and femininity, womanhood, I suppose, religious obligations What was it like playing a character like that? Because you managed to also make her so human and so likeable, lovable, and at the same time, there's always flashes of stuff going on underneath her. What was it like approaching this character?
1: I mean, it
2: was lovely. I knew she was nice. I knew she was just... It was the circumstances that she found herself in. You know, they say you often should find something that you like about the character you're playing, and it's not always possible. (laughs) But uh, I found... (laughs) I, I felt terribly sorry for her that she was, um, you know, her, her education was stopped because even um, my mum says who who is alive now, her father didn't think it was important to educate her and her sister, but her brothers, it was a different thing. And this is going back, you know, to his youth mm-hmm. in the 20s and, it's sad that she was clearly very bright, but she wasn't glad to continue her education because that was unseemly. You know, all of she was as able or more so than anybody else, but was kept in a box and by coercive control and uh, abusive behavior. She was kept pretending to be someone she wasn't. So I, I thought it was fascinating.
0: She other sides to her, doesn't she? Other sides to her,
2: as all humans do. And I love the fact that if you try and yeah, hold someone down; it will backfire. Yeah, and I loved her friendship. You know, her and her wild neighbour. I loved the friendship that they 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 started to have, and they could have had. I loved it.
0: Was that fun getting to play those big and direct? Thea uh, and uh, Olivia play those big, wild woman on woman, sort of exciting, ignited, fighty scenes. Sometimes was that fun to do? Because you often don't you don't often see women really let go in films especially not period films but you in, in the trailer you see it so I don't think I'm spoiling anything that you see a literal fight on the street at one point uh, that gets kind of heated but it feels like they're kind of enjoying it yes I mean for a start Jesse's one of my best friends so
2: that was fun going to work every day uh, with someone that you know I'd, we'd swear at each other for free for fun anyway so it's <laughs> nice to get paid to do it Um but you're right; it is. You rarely see women. Is that true? Or am I just making this sort of sweeping statement? I think you rarely see women on film having a good old, you know, head-to-head fight with each other. Often it's about a man or to a man. But this was this was satisfyingly just two women, mm-hmm. you know, having, uh, yeah, having a go at each other. And also, you can see what I love about the you know the way Johnny's written the, the scripts. Well, is that they really enjoy it and they need that release but also they're they're sort of going oh this it's fun I've finally got someone who will who will match me
0: yes yes it felt like a match of equals and it really had nothing to mm. do with men which was not nice. it was it was it more it sailed over the Bechdel test like a like a high jumper. Uh, in a way that often someone says, no, yeah. but it does pass the Bechtel test because I remember one famous one, which was, but she, no, because there's two women and they talk about soft furnishings in a in an interior design shop. And I was just like, it's literally one <coughs> line of that's a nice cushion and they're like, that passes. And I was like, well, it does, but it doesn't pass the spirit of wow. the best Bechtel test talking about soft furnishings. But this, I felt that's like this, brilliant. <laughs> no one cared about the men. It wasn't about the men. It was about you and me and what we see in each other. And what I thought was rare, yeah. I mean, obviously we've seen women fight on screen before, but what was rare was the sort of abandon of it. And it wasn't about a man, it was just about I see the rebel in you and I identify with her and I enjoy her. And if I'll I'll fake yeah. it because I have to, because society, other constrictions, patriarchy, blah, blah, blah. But goddamn do I see in you something I love. And that came across, I think that's quite hard to. How do you get that across? Thea, as a director, how do you get those performances not just to look like two women who dislike each other, but to it's two women who love each other but are at war? Like, how do you direct that? Where, How do you tell that story?
1: Well, can I just bring in that actually one of my most favourite scenes to shoot and then to watch again and again in the edit and to see it again now is actually the scene where we watch them become friends and they walk together on the beach. And there's such an innocence, I think, again, in that moment where you just, you see Collie's little face as Jesse just says things that feel completely natural to Rose. And you know that Collie's character... Edith is hearing and, and witnessing and feeling these things almost for the first time, and they're alone on the beach, and, you know, Jessie's taking her shoes off, so her feet are kind of squelching around in the sand, but Collie's culture isn't there yet. You just see something in there that feels like a, the beginning of a love affair. Now, again, it's not about men, because the love doesn't have to be... It doesn't It's not sexual, it's not complicated in any way. There's a purity to two women who are just really enjoying who the other one is in that moment Mm. and that's also something that is i think quite rare it's real friendship and it's only because that is the potential behind that is so immediate and so huge and so beautiful that that you can also get the scene that you're referring to at the other end because in both scenes you know they only they mean so much to each other in all of the scenes that the characters have together, um, you see all the different shades of, of friendship, of female friendship. And, you know, sometimes I kind of yearn for more scenes of the two of them as friends because I wish that we could get even more of what, what was their background like. But that's a good, you know, you always want to leave your audience wanting more. Um, so I just wanted to say that, that remains one of my most favourite scenes in the whole thing, which is actually the flip side. And, again, if you didn't have that scene and you didn't have these two women as strong and as watchable as they are, you wouldn't have the rest of the film. You just mm. wouldn't have it. it. The whole thing wouldn't count for anything because that was the beginning. That was the kernel of the whole but thing. But I
0: think I could see it in their faces all through. So there were these kind of – the way they would Absolutely. look at each other. It was that's what That's what really captivated me. And I think if that hadn't been there in the performances – I would have thought, oh, that was a fun film, but I wouldn't have come out so taken with it. And I think it was you could see them shooting looks at each other and, you know, Olivia's character snubbing Jesse's character, but with this, like, little look of admiration, this little look of affection and, and vice versa as well. And I just loved that, that there was a piece of elastic between them, even as they warred, but you knew that were society not making the demands on them, that it was, that they would not be at war. Hello, Guilty Feminists. This is Deborah. Just to let you know, in case you haven't already heard, on the 3rd of March, I am comparing a show at the Roundhouse in London uh, called Voices for Gaza. And uh, it's got some extraordinary names in it. The Palestinian String Quartet called the Galilee Quartet, another Palestinian and Middle Eastern acts. But also people you'll know from the Guilty Feminist like Jen Brister and Susie Wacoma, some other great comics and actors like uh, Brian Cox and Harriet Walter from Succession. Um, It's £20 tickets because they're trying to absolutely pack the place. Just to be clear, I'm not producing this show. This has been put together uh, very economically in a short period of time by a brilliant group of theatre practitioners in London as an emergency fundraiser for MAP. That's medical aid for Palestine. What they do is they send British doctors, medical supplies and medical equipment to Gaza. Um, So this is really, really urgent. It's very blitz spirit. If you get a £20 ticket, there's 250 seats on the floor and the rest will be standing. So if you really need a seat, get there really early on the night to bag yourself a seat. Otherwise, you will be standing. But as I said, it's blitz spirit, all muck in. Um, So we hope you will be on board for it. Um, There are, if you've got money, some... VIP seats, like in a dress circle section, which is all the money's going directly to map, are £250 each, if anyone would like one of those. I don't know that they're available on the Roundhouse website, so just email me at guiltyfeminist at gmail.com and I'll see if I can hook you up with the organisers to try and get you um, one of those. Um, in the meantime, if you, even if you can't come, if you bought a ticket for 20 quid, you could You know, give it to somebody else, and all that money would be going to MAP. You could also, of course, direct, uh, you can also, of course, donate to MAP directly. Um, Also, I want to let you know we are doing an incredible new show, which is with Waterstones, the Guilty Feminist Waterstones Book Club. It will be on the 27th of March at Waterstones Piccadilly. Um, And we are interviewing Susie Miller, who wrote the play Prima Facie and has now made that play a novel. Jessica foster and I are talking to her and we will have another guest as well to make it more like, uh, so it'll be really like a book club. And we are contrasting it with feminist classics. Because we thought this is a good time to uh, to revisit some feminist classics. Maybe some of us have never read Fear of Flying by Erica Jong. Um, you can buy a ticket from Waterstones with one of those books included. Um, if you read those books before the night, there'll be no spoilers. So, try and come along for that because I don't know when else you're going to see Susie Miller live on stage and it's our very first book club we're hoping to do for a year, new books with feminist classics combined. We think it'll be a really great thing for all of us to delve into those feminist classics and discover brand new books. We've also got shows coming up at King's Place in March and April. Go to guiltyfeminist.com live shows and you can find tickets for all of these things. And now on with the podcast. I thought the third tent pole that really made this work was Anjana Vasan playing the local sort of constable wannabe detective kept in her place by the men, knowing the answers, being ahead of the guys, and understanding how to. And when I looked it up at the end, I was like, oh my God, so much of that was so true. And there is a blue plaque to that woman because she was the first police officer who was in that area, uh, female police officer but they kept calling her woman police officer and she kept saying it on Little Hampton she kept saying it was obvious I'm a woman you don't need to say that yeah. and they kept saying that to her but god that's a great performance from her as well isn't it it's wonderful yeah.
1: she's really special and we we fought long and hard to get her and um, she was also such a joy on set and so clever she's really clever Ange isn't she which is useful when you've got you yeah. know the other two <laughs> she, no, she she made a wonderful try. Not not easy to come in and be the third corner. And she knew what she was stepping into. And she did so much research on the character. She made it very easy. And that's the other thing I was going to say, when you were asking what's it like directing Holly and Jesse in those big scenes, you know, the truth is that with those two, A, they will always come to set fully prepared. The two of them can say whatever they like. They do all their homework. They're unbelievably professional, but they will also come with such enthusiasm and joy, especially for one another. Mm. When they did scenes where they had to get really cross with each other, they would, you know, after nearly every take, you would they would either fall about laughing or go and give each other a massive hug. Oh. And just what that gave you on set was just you know such a sort of delicious warmth and so then if I always go in and do that annoying thing of going can we just do it one more time and a bit more like this they'll do it they'll do it because they were there for each other yeah I love that and that makes such a difference I can't tell you you know we've all been in areas where you kind of the difference between two big people that you're working with if they get on the difference it makes if they don't get on or if there's some kind of split because of whatever reason, that's totally understandable, makes it really hard work to find out how it is that you're going to get a little bit more from one or something slightly different from another. And holding that balance together is not easy. But with these two, I could just storm right in, say exactly what I wanted. And if they didn't get what I want, they'd go, what? Ah. And I'd say it again. And it was just, there was an ease because of the natural respect that comes between the two of them. And also, you know, the other thing is, and Colin, I'm sure you'll say if this isn't right, but I I knew right from the get go, we were all making the same film. And that might sound a silly thing, but actually you don't know that really until you get in there and you start shooting it for real and you really start talking about it. And I just knew that all of us, all four of us, the people that we've mentioned, all three of those actresses, I knew we were all making the same movie. So again, that means if you need to steer the ship in a slightly different way, or often with Collie, because her character was so complex and had so many different layers, we created a little bit of a system between the two of us where I needed always to make sure, often, that I would have a real range of reactions or or different versions of how to say sometimes just a line or to do a whole scene because I wasn't sure in the edit until I got into the edit, rather, exactly which version of Edith I was going to need. Do you remember, Colin? we used to just have to do quite different versions sometimes because Edith was, as I say, was such a complex character. She could be coming from different directions in any given moment. That isn't always the case. But with Edith, I think that that was a really big part of, of how we... How we shot her. God, I can't really remember that. Yeah, it, it it did happen, and you were very good.
0: <laughs> but you you were producer. You were a producer on <laughs> Great, this as thanks. well, Olivia, weren't you? You were a producer on this. So, so you know, you and Thea must have yeah. been working. Now, what a feminist! Can you see
2: Thea's face when you say producer. Oh. Isn't... <laughs> <laughs> Why? <sighs> um, I don't, I'm not sure that I did anything. As a producer. I mean, I've seen what producers do and they do an awful lot of work to get a film you know, financed and made. And I occasionally was trotted out to a meeting to go, hello. And that was
0: kind of all I did. I am a hundred percent. You're so, so self-deprecating, Olivia. You—that it's definitely, definitely not true. I honestly think that's true, or maybe I just can't remember anything. I, it sounds like you can't remember because Thea's <coughs> just telling us how brilliant you were, and you can't remember any of it. But I think uh, I think you must oh. have had a say as a producer as to like the supporting cast who uh, you. you what a great supporting cast! Now there were few men in it, and they were all the ones that were in it were fantastic. But not we're not going to dwell on them just only because this is the guilty feminist. Um, so hats off to them all. <laughs> well done, Timothy Spall, etc. But this is a you know we're this is here uh, okay. we're going to celebrate women, and I
1: loved. Watching... They're also
0: all massive feminists, by the way. All of oh no, boys. I'm not saying just they're for, not. They're, yeah. they're wonderful. But oh just no, to... I know you're not.
1: I didn't mean that defensive.
0: I just meant. Well done us because the men yeah. that we chose were they were fantastic. Families. Of course, the wonderful yeah. Hugh Skinner, who we know from Fleabag, and oh, you um... know just wonderful. Um, but I thought I loved watching Joanna Scanlon and Lolly faux Fope together. <sighs> Um, and oh, yeah. Eileen Atkins. And Atkins,
1: oh, what, what, a, oh, what yeah. a
0: trio! What eh? a trio! So you're watching these yeah. three women together, and again, this is the thing. This is the difference between a film with women in the leads and a feminist film for me. You're not just going, "Oh, we've yeah. got some, we've got some lady ones in the lead." What more do you want? It's, it's actually thinking about all these different shades of women. So you get this kind of Greek chorus over here of ones supporting, watching, engaging, nudging fate and being there as witness. And they were all yeah. played by such different actors – who got clearly were just having the time of their lives, how they looked like a house on fire together. And it was just the diversity, and I don't mean that in a sort of diversity and inclusion way, but the difference in those mm. performances, but together they made a, such a delightful unit that showed different shades of womanhood and different shades of humanity and the neighborliness, the community. You know, the time people lived in villages and they didn't. They didn't know anyone very much outside that village. So the village itself was the entertainment. And of course, at the heart of this village, two women are creating the most extraordinary soap opera. And they're in because you know they're not they didn't have curry, did they? So and they were all watching that over the fence <laughs> and in the street and at the post box and on the beach. And I just loved that. And you must have had a say in who would play those roles and putting that together, Olivia. Well, well see yes,
2: her Nodding. I mean well, you know. Yeah, we all had a say in it, and
1: uh, it was very, very collaborative. And, yeah. and Cole, you, you were you were part of it, oh, well, but sorry. it was no, you were you were, and I know I knew you'd always say no, but you were, and 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 you know the other, I know we're not talking about the men, but you in can, you can, the, like the parents, no, but the parents. So like when we needed to cast the mum and dad, mm. that it was a prime example. I was ne- I would never do that without with Collie both as producer mm-hmm. and as lead that's a really easy conversation to have then and it also what's wonderful when you work with somebody at college she's worked with so many people and we wanted comedians right from the get-go we wanted people who understood mm. how to do comedy because comedy is really, really, really hard. It's really yeah, hard. Yes. Yeah. And that was literally the first time conversation we said to each other. We were just like, we've just got to get people who get it because it's really hard and we're going yeah. to go to war on this and we want our army to be as tight and as strong as possible. And it's yeah. unafraid. You've got to be really unafraid when you do comedy because it's really hard when you try to do something and you think it's funny and it's not. And yeah. then somebody comes in and goes, we're going to have to do that again. Yeah. And you just... Just a little part of you dies, and if you're yeah. surrounded by people who are there to pump you back up and go, It's going to be fine, though, no, we're going to do it again. Yeah, and it's not because you're crap, it's just because the wind was blowing, or the, you know, we just do it in another way. You've got to do that together.
0: Yeah, you can't um, scare so people knew, into doing good comedy, needed, can you? You can't intimidate people. Some directors no, do, just and they you word. cannot. You don't get funnier when somebody's you know, at, at, who's funny at customs? You know, when someone's like trying to, you know, look, <laughs> you're much funnier when, you, when you're with your best mates in the pub. And so making that environment is so, so important. Um, yeah, and, totally. you know, you can you can see and feel that. Well, I what I will tell you is I went to see it at the cinema and the laughter was so loud in a small oh. cinema. And, you know, it was like a late afternoon. So it wasn't like the seven o'clock one where it's going to be much more full. And people were roaring with laughter. So oh that's so yeah lovely they to loved hear. it they loved it and i heard people on the way out saying how brilliant it was as well so i i thought oh this is actually really good we've got to do something on on the guilty feminist on this because i just i don't know a film that is like this that's funny period feminist on the inside feminist on the outside and knowing of course you produced it and of course you i know of you You'll go oh i hardly did anything but then if I ask a man who's a producer on his film, uh, you produced it. He'd be like, yeah, yeah, I did produce it. And uh, you yeah, know, what was really important was really getting the right cast and making the right decisions. And uh, he lived on fuck all, <laughs> but he'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing about being a producer is very different from just being an actor people don't get that. And uh, so I'm really moving into that space now. <laughs> Um, whereas you'll be like, I barely did oh, it. I love it. And when we investigate further, you this of course is have. So good. It's 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 so true. It's like, oh, I did it all with my groin as well. I thrust a bit when they say it. And you're like, <laughs> you were an EP and you did sweet fuck all, but your agent got you that got you that title because you're a bit fancy. Um and I felt like you you got in your yeah, husband did produce um... uh, produced this as well, didn't he? And I fucking loved that show you two did. Oh, my God. That show you did about the couple that your husband wrote Ed wrote. Oh, my God. That was our favourite show of the year. And, again, that was a little bit period. It wasn't all the way period, but it had that sort of feel to it. And it just was the most imaginative TV show I've ever seen. If audience hasn't seen Landscapers. Oh, he wrote that. He's very clever. Yes. I. If And I'm not saying this to be flattering because I just wouldn't. I wouldn't oh, at, no. at all. But I thought Landscapers was the most original imaginative show of the year. And again, another really nuanced oh. portrayal of a woman and a man. But you love her and also you're like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. You know, and there's so much dimension, yeah. And I just love the way you play those characters, uh, Olivia, and you're really drawn to them and you unpack them. Oh. You make us love very flawed you. people. And that's, I think, such a great talent. I don't know how you do it. Is it just a talent or do you know how you do it? Can you analyse it? Or is it just intuition? Will we ruin it if you try and deconstruct it? You'll never be able to do it again. I'll ruin your career. <laughs>
2: I feel I feel bad. I'm currently doing a job in Australia and uh the director said some amazing woman said uh, what do you need or what do you and I don't know. <laughs> so I, I feel like I should make up an answer. I don't know what I need until I need it or uh I don't know. I think I think you just feel it.
0: Mm. You're an intuitive actor. I, I know what what, to, Can I help you, Cole? That is the most
1: brilliant answer to give a director. Yes. And it's also absolutely true. That's a really good way of describing working with you. Yeah, because you don't need anything until you do need something. And when you do need it, you just ask for it. And whether that's very rarely, can I have a cup of tea? Or sometimes you just say, I'm not sure that is quite that line's quite (laughs) working. Do you think it's this? And then we explore it together. But what's amazing is... How unneedy you are, given what you do for a living. It's extraordinary.
0: Oh, that's nice. Thanks, Tia. That is nice. Oh, I to, what a lot, that's a. It's, it's a nice thing to hear. You're very self driving, but also you get amazing results. But I do like hearing you ask if you need it, because otherwise, sometimes women get complimented for not needing things, and actually, it's like you don't need until you do. Then you say, and I think that's that's a that's a great thing. Um, Is there anything you came to say about this movie that you want – the Guilty films? audience are very good at going, buying tickets, leaving the house, going and seeing something, and also supporting films that, uh, you know, more of them will be made if we support the ones that aren't made. And this is an independent film about something we don't normally get to hear these stories. It's a real story, it's a true story, and it's about women with all their flaws and all their desires to break free – And if we don't support this one, then we don't get another one for ages. So our audience love leaving the house. And also when it goes on streaming, they'll support it. They'll share it on socials. They'll get their mates together. They'll get their WhatsApp groups to go and all of that sort of stuff. Is there anything you want them to know that you came to say that you didn't get to say about Wicked Little Letters? Thea? I think that, um,
1: firstly, thank you so much for the way you have described it. It's so wonderful to hear you talking about it in your own words because it's quite a it's quite a difficult film to sum up and so far we've done a lot of interviews and I certainly find that often the first question is Sophia what is this movie really about and it's so lovely to hear somebody yeah. round it up in the way that you have having already yeah. seen it ha- not only how much you enjoy it but what you think it's about because actually I think it's about lots and lots of things uh, maybe the thing that I'm most proud of is the fact that there's lots squashed in there that not everybody gets everything because I think it, it really depends on who you are and where you are and what's going on in your world that there are some yeah. big issues that that some people are really drawn to some people come out actually feeling quite emotional because there's a particular connection with a character or a storyline and other people coming out they've missed all of that they just had a riot and that's that's a gift The most important thing for me of all is is again what you've just said I think making movies for the cinema, for people to go and watch in the cinema together is the most important thing. After, I I feel very strongly that as a director, I have to protect my actors and I protect the words on the page. That's my number one job. After that, I make a movie for an audience. And it's wonderful when people watch things at home and that they can do that and it's inclusive as a family and all sorts of things. And I love all of that. But it does not replace the joy of a shared experience and going to the cinema and sharing the experience, particularly mm. with comedy, which is like a Mexican wave effect, which is so wonderful. And I've had brilliant conversations with journalists of all the people in the world who've admitted that actually the fact that they had to see it in a screen with lots of other journalists, even then there was laughter out loud. even. With the journals because even though they were kind of scribbling away, they were still laughing and they were sharing that. And if they'd watched it yeah. alone at home they know that they would have had a very mm-hmm. different experience. And I think if we, the whole world needs people to start going back to the cinema as much as possible and to to really go back to celebrating that side of movie making and movie enjoying. And if this movie can help to do that, just like the Barbies and the Oppenheimers, you know, they got that world going again. All of us strangers, there've been some really fabulous mm-hmm. films mm-hmm. recently that that watching them in a cinema, you know the experience is different than
0: watching it, it at home, and that for me is So the If you are sitting on your thing. own, for some reason you smile at something, and as soon as you are sitting with other people laughing, you laugh, and no one knows why. What audience science is, nobody yeah. knows. Yeah. Nobody knows why, but it is a it is a strange phenomenon. It is, but it's the
1: it's the wonderful positive side yeah. of humanity. We were talking earlier about the natural darkness that we all have in us. Sure, we have that, but we also can share things out loud. You know that feeling when you feel really shit and you can't quite explain what it is and and it can be there's a million different reasons for why it might be. When you go and have a conversation with somebody, or you have a shared experience Mm -hmm. like that, and you come out and you go, "Oh my god, I feel great now!" I've just had a cup of tea and a chat with somebody, or I've been to the cinema and had a great big laugh, and you literally feel better. You feel better in your being, and if that's something that we can give to people, then let's celebrate that. So, if people can go and see it in the cinema, fabulous.
2: Yeah, we are communal Mm -hmm. beings. You know, we get married in front of loads of people, or we we have our birthdays with people that we love you know we we like to be together and laugh together comedy shows there's nothing better than mm. going to watch a stand up and laughing with everyone but um my uh for this film i think it appeals to all ages my mum who's 83 she'll be thrilled i've told you that <laughs> but she went with her mate she texted me saying we practically pissed ourselves no so <laughs> no. nice These lovely women. (laughs) And our teens loved it. Uh, It's emotional, but it's joyful and it's uh, funny. It's also surprising that these words absolutely were said by these women in the 1920s and that it was genuinely uh, debated in Parliament. It was on all the broadsheets at the time. It's an interesting Mm -hmm. story. It's a really fun time at the cinema. Get yourself a massive box of popcorn, settle in, enjoy it. And And you'll feel
0: like being really sweary afterwards. So just be on alert that you'll want to come out. Yeah. Because there's quite creative swears out there. They're quite charming creative swears in some strange groups of words together. But it's a it's an unqualified delight. Yeah. You'll really enjoy it, and I think it will give. It'll get you that little. It's what the suffragettes used to call outrages. You know, they just do something a bit naughtier, a bit. It wasn't really. You know, sometimes yeah. they'd blow something up, and that obviously isn't an outrage. That's terrorism. But they they <laughs> they do things, little things. They... <laughs> Not I'm talking about not bricks through windows. They did that, but that was more. But when they did an outrage, it was things like, I've got a necklace I was wearing. It has a coin on it and it says votes for women. And that was an outrage where they damaged the coin and they put it back into circulation because uh, it meant it was worth oh, nothing. Fun. And they do these little naughty things like mischief. And it feels like this movie feels to me like an afternoon at the cinema or an evening at the cinema where you just go and have a little outrage, commune with womanhood. Can I
2: tell you one of my yes. outrages?
0: Yes. Yes yeah, so the school I was at there was a cricket pitch
2: and they weren't girls didn't play cricket then they do now at this school but um I was so incensed how everything stopped when the first cricket team you know no one stopped and came to watch us play netball but everything stopped so every evening once it got dark I used to have a wee in the middle of the, <laughs> the middle of the crease
0: oh my god that's superb that is incredible. Did anyone ever know, or is this the first time you've confessed this, that. Olivia? Or did people know at the time? First time publicly. I've told no girlfriends of mine knew. Well, this is. Can you just say I'm a feminist, Bart, and then tell us that again? Because this might be one of the greatest. Time, we have these confessionals on this where we confess our things. Can you just say that I'm a feminist, but? This is a bit of an I'm a feminist and really, <laughs> but there's a sort of edge to it that I fucking love this story. And this is a this is a genuine guilty feminist scoop, gang. Okay. I'm a feminist, but
2: uh, I used to uh, have a little squat wee on the, <laughs> the, is it called the crease, the bit between the wickets on a cricket thing, as a little little silent, um, what did you outrage, call it? An outrage, protest, outrage, um, protest. Because a little protest, a sort of dirty protest, if you will, <laughs> um, because... I was so incensed at how everything stopped for the boys playing cricket and we'd all sit around, the, you know, around the edge of the pitch, but no one came to watch us play a, tennis or netball. It's an
0: army feminist and really, but I just had to hear it in that formatting because it's, there is something about it that's just so <laughs> extraordinary. And I just, I love that this is a this is a scoop for the guilty feminist that National Treasurer Olivia Colman, who's played so many queens, including uh, the recently late Elizabeth II, um, actually peed on re- frequently, not once, but as routinely peed uh, on the school cricket pitch as a feminist protest that no nobody stopped to watch the netball. I love that. We've got to finish up now. I just need it to tell everybody, you've got to go and see Wicked Little Letters. Get to the cinema if you possibly can. Tell your friends, <laughs> tell your feminist book groups, tell your tell your mates, tell your WhatsApp groups, take your mum. It's a really, really good time. It's currently out in British cinemas, but Americans, you're very lucky because it hasn't come out yet, so you've got loads of time to plan. It comes out on March 29th and in Australia there's going to be a premiere in Sydney in two weeks and I believe Olivia Coleman's going to be there because she's over there filming. She'll be gracing the Aussie red carpet. So you've got loads of time to plan as well. So get tickets for Wicked Little Letters wherever you live. Watch out for it in your cinemas and if you don't catch it at the cinema, it will be on streaming and you will see it then and then. Watch it again I'm going to watch it again When it comes out on streaming Um, This is the first Feature film I heard For your production company South of the River Pictures Is that true? Yes Well we can't wait To see what else You shape and make And we can't wait Next time for you To come on with your next film Great And then And with your full groin Like a man Go yeah Fucking produced this Yeah Fucking nailed it Yeah (laughs) In it (laughs) Excellent Thea Sharik and Olivia Coleman, you have been um, absolutely delightful guests. Thank you so much for sharing uh, so much, and especially Olivia, were you in Australia? Thank you for having us. Um, It was wonderful. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.